So this story from Jeremiah starts out so promising. It seems like it's going to be this great model for what it looks like for God's people to follow God's guidance. Uh, There's been a lot of turmoil in Judah and Jerusalem since Babylon took over. The king who had been placed on the throne of Judah uh, by the Babylonians has already been assassinated. He was quickly assassinated. And then some army officials killed the people who killed the king uh, because they were afraid that Babylon would be upset and come back and retaliate. The army commanders who are now the leader of what's left of God's people in the promised land are still not sure what's going to happen. They still don't know if Babylon will retaliate. And so they turn to God for guidance. Oops. They turn to God for guidance. Verse 1, they go to Jeremiah, the prophet, said to him, please hear our petition and pray to the Lord, your God, for the entire remnant. For as you now see, we're very few. Pray that the Lord, your God, will tell us where we should go and what we should do. And Jeremiah responds approvingly, positively. I've heard you. I will certainly pray to the Lord your God as you have requested. And I will tell you everything he says and will keep nothing back from you. Now, that last part sounds a little bit ominous. I will keep nothing back from you. I'm going to tell you everything. But it doesn't deter the people at all. In fact, they double down. May the Lord be a true and faithful witness against us if we do not act in accordance with everything the Lord your God sends you to tell us. Whatever... It is. Whether it is favorable or unfavorable, we will obey the Lord. In fact, they say that twice in that last sentence. We will obey the Lord our God to whom we are sending you so that it will go well with us, for we will obey the Lord our God. Again, this looks like it's going to be this model story for all of us to use as a template for our own lives. Sort of along the lines of, in times of uncertainty, turn to God in prayer for guidance. Commit to following God like like they do, no matter where it leads, even if the path is difficult. And then when you hear from God, do what God says, knowing that you are following the way of the Lord. Great. What a beautiful model of obedience this story would have been if God's people had been willing to accept God's guidance. But that is not what happened. So instead of this story being a model of what to do as followers of Christ, it becomes another example of what not to do. Both this story and the story uh, from the gospel according to Matthew are reminders that when we ask for God's guidance, we ought to be prepared to actually do what we hear. Now, granted, uh, both of these stories reveal this important lesson in sort of a negative form, uh, but it is still an immensely 
valuable lesson. I will admit that I did not know the book of Jeremiah well enough to realize what was coming um, after reading just this opening part of chapter 42. I did not know it well enough to realize how they were going to react to God's answer. I really did think that this was going to be this great example of exemplary obedience. They seem so earnest. They are the ones who approach Jeremiah and ask him to pray for them. They didn't have to do that. In fact, most of the time for Jeremiah, Jeremiah tells, or God tells Jeremiah, go and tell these people, this is what the Lord says, and tell them because they don't want to hear it. But that's not the case here. Here, the leaders initiate with Jeremiah. Please have, have God tell us what God wants us to hear. And in fact, it's, it's not only the leaders, it's everyone. We hear that the uh, army officers, but all of the people from the least to the greatest approach. So they're all in this. They're fully backing this. And further, they are, themselves are the ones who state things with such force. God be our witness if we do anything against what God says. And again, we will obey two times. We will obey the Lord. It all seems so good, so exemplary. But they aren't willing to accept God's answer. The rest of the story goes like this. Ten days later, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. So he called together the army officers who were with him and all the people from the least to the greatest. He said to them, this is what the Lord, your God, the God of Israel, <clears throat> to whom you sent me to present your petition says, if you stay in this land, in the promised land, Judah, I will build you up and not tear you down. I will plant you and not uproot you. For I am grieved over the disaster, uh, etc. He goes on. However, if you say we will not stay in the land and so disobey the Lord your God, and if you say no, we're going to go to Egypt, where we will not see war or hear the trumpet or be hungry for bread, then hear what the Lord says to you, O remnant of Judah. This is what the Lord says. If you are determined to go to Egypt and do go to settle there, then the sword you fear will overtake you here, will overtake you there. So that's what they get as a response. And he goes into that even in more depth a couple of times, just to emphasize, if you stay, it'll go well. If you flee and run to Egypt, it won't go well. And I love how they respond. This is the beginning of Chapter 43, when Jeremiah finished telling the people all the words of the Lord their God, everything the Lord had sent him to tell them, Azariah, Yohanan, etc., all the arrogant men said to Jeremiah, you're lying. <laughs> okay, you know, what do you do with that, Jeremiah? You are lying. The Lord, God, the Lord our God has not sent you to say you must not go to Egypt to settle there. In fact, they, they accuse him of being the, the tool of his, uh, his secretary, Baruch, the son of Neriah. 
They say, Baruch is inciting you against us to hand us over to the Babylonians so that they will kill us. They ask him to go talk to God. Jeremiah goes and talks to God. They say, we'll do whatever God tells us. This is what God tells you. Oh, and you're lying. Can't be that. And it doesn't go well. They do flee to Egypt, and it goes just like God said it would. Looking back on the story after I read that part and realizing, okay, this isn't the exemplary story of obedience that I was hoping it was going to be, I still think that they were earnest, that this remnant was earnest when they said, we are going to do whatever God says. And I think they were earnest because I think the problem was they expected that God would give them the answer that they wanted to get. They had already made up their minds to go to Egypt. Just before the, where we picked up this morning, at the end of chapter 41, we hear that these same army officers gathered up all the survivors from the area in verse 17, and they went on stopping at Geruth Kittim near Bethlehem on their way to Egypt. They're stopping on their way to Egypt and they think, oh, we should probably, let's, let's have Jeremiah go get the blessing for us. I think they were just expecting that God would bless their decision. So in that sense, they were not prepared to accept God's answer, and they didn't. In the gospel story from Matthew, we see several similarities with that story in Jeremiah. Again, it's the person himself who approaches God in the form, in the person of Jesus. The person approaches God, not the other way around. The man comes to Jesus and says, I want to, it's a funny way to say, I want to get eternal life. What do I need to get it, do to get it? And even after Jesus's initial reaction, the rich young man could have walked away and in a sense been blessed. Jesus doesn't call him out as a liar. He says, what must I do? Follow the commands, which ones? Uh, and he says, you know, all these ones don't commit murder, don't commit adultery, etc. Love your neighbor as yourself. I've kept all of these. If he had just shut up right there and walked away, it still might have been okay. But no, he didn't stop there. And, and again, we don't know if he truly wanted an answer from God or if he just wanted the answer that he wanted to hear. But either way, he's not willing to accept the answer that God gives. Jesus says, okay, you want to be perfect? Go give everything away and then come and follow me. And we hear he went away sad because he had an awful lot of stuff to give away. In both of these stories, the one in Jeremiah and the one in Matthew, it is the person or the group that reaches out to God for guidance but neither is willing to accept the guidance they're given, that they receive. It doesn't always go that way. There are times when people get uh, an unexpected answer and accept it. 
the summer before my senior year at the University of Washington. Uh, I was a camp counselor at a summer camp in California. And there were all these other uh, counselors there who had gone overseas on short-term mission trips. I sort of noticed this common thread among all these counselors. And I thought these counselors were really cool. So I started thinking to myself, maybe I should do that. Maybe I should do one of those short-term mission things overseas. Of course, the underlying thought being that they're all cool. And so maybe if I do that, I'll be cool too. Um, and also, at the time, my brother Steve was in the Peace Corps in Sierra Leone, and his letters back from, from there were so fascinating that I also, that was kind of another piece of the motivation for, I, you know, I need to do something like, like this. Uh, so just before my final year at University of Washington, I went in to talk to my college pastor about this idea. Now, normally, I don't tell stories where I'm the one who does the right thing. Just kind of a good practice as a preacher. Don't tell good stories about yourself. Normally, I don't do that. But when you hear the next part of this story, you're going to realize how ridiculous I was to begin with. So the fact that eventually I made a good choice um, is not a particularly glowing endorsement of my character. So I go in to visit my pastor, and part of the reason I do that is because the college ministry has been sending, for years, has been sending uh, college kids on these summer-long trips all over the world, different places. So I figure um, he probably knew about different opportunities all over the world. I make an appointment, I go in, I sit down. He knew I'd been, I'd been a counselor down in California. I said, ah, oh, summer was great. I'm really inspired. I want to go somewhere overseas and serve God for a year or two. I'll be done uh, with school in June. I don't have any debts. I don't have any commitments. I'm ready to go. Now, here's the good part. I said, so, if you know of any opportunities in, like, southern France... I'm, I actually said that. Southern, Southern France, Italy, Greece. You know, let me know. Unlike you, he didn't openly laugh. But looking back, I am totally surprised that he didn't openly laugh at me or say something sarcastic like, oh, I see you really want to suffer for Jesus, Doug. See, I told you, I, I don't come out looking great. Um, but thankfully, I probably wasn't the first slightly misdirected youth that he had dealt with. Uh, so he didn't laugh at me. And instead, he said, what about China? Like, how does he get China out of southern France? <laughs> well, I realized, I discovered later, that he got China because he was far more attuned to God than I was. Uh, he knew I was an English major. He knew um, about some opportunities for English teachers in China. And I think that he could see that below this uh, slightly self-serving geographical preference that I had, that underneath that there was actually a desire to be stretched a little bit to come out of my comfort zone. But still, the choice was up to me. Uh, I could accept 
the answer that I received from him, or I could have tried to just figure out a way to do what I had originally wanted to do anyway. Thankfully, something clicked, and I don't even know why, looking back, I was so quick to say it, but I was like, sure. I mean, literally, that was it. He said, what about China? Yeah. And so I ended up a year later being in China teaching English. So in that one situation, at least, I really was seeking God's guidance from the voice of my college pastor, and I was willing to accept the answer that I received. But the stakes were really low. I really only had to take into account myself. The money wasn't really particularly an issue. In the story from Jeremiah, in the story from Matthew, everything hangs in the balance. Everything. In, in Jeremiah, the future of an entire people. And in Matthew, that person's long-term relationship with God through Jesus is in the balance. And ironically, often, the more important it is for us to hear from God, the more difficult it is to accept the answer that we might hear. Because most of the time, we turn to God for guidance when life as we know it is on the line. When we really seek God's guidance is when everything as we know it is on the line. And therefore, the guidance that we receive from God also risks the fullness of life as we know it. Trusting everything that we are and everything that we have to God is enormously difficult. And in fact, like we see over and over in the scriptures, we see over and over again in our lives, it is enormously difficult to entrust everything to God. And in fact, many times, it's too much for us to accept. But there is hope. And that is what we hear from Jesus himself. The disciples are just as as shocked as the young man that In fact, they're in some ways even more shocked because they hear Jesus following up. Guys, you don't understand how difficult it is for for people to do this, especially those who are rich. It's more difficult for a rich person to, to enter into the kingdom of God than for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle. And they're blown away. Well, then who who can do it? And basically, Jesus says nobody can on their own. But again, we hear the important words. With humans, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And then we hear uh, Paul give us hope through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus and how Again, because of our fallen nature, because of the result of our ancestors and and the way they had fallen and the condemnation received as a result of that, 
we, we need something else. And we receive that the one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men and women. Just as through disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, Jesus, the many will be made righteous. And it is through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus that we have hope. God longs to guide us into the fullness of life, both now and into eternity. And when we turn to God for guidance, we ought to be prepared to accept the answers we receive. But our willingness to do so varies. Sometimes we will, many times we won't. Ultimately, we cannot rely on ourselves but we can rely on Jesus always for two things particularly for strength to accept the answers of God and also for forgiveness when we don't. Amen.